Hello and welcome to episode 119 of the Ogre Live podcast. I'm your host, Kevin. And this podcast is brought to you by my platform, Movement and Meditation with me, online on demand. You can sign up, a monthly subscription, you get a week's free, for movement classes. So not just your traditional stretching, like we do a lot in uh, asana practice or yoga practice, but also I am adding now hybrid classes. Things like HIT, high intensity interval training with yoga, uh, to keep things fresh for your mind and also for your body. And then you can couple that with your audio meditation classes. So all you got to do is go to kevinboyyoga.ie forward slash membership and you get a free week's trial. You can cancel anytime. There's no contract. It's just 19 euro a month and that's new content every single week. Today we have with us Ema O'Neill. Ema is a teacher by profession. She's a mother and she's heavily involved in working for and bringing about racial equality in Ireland. She's based in Bray and Bray have a group called Bray for Love, which Ema is a part of. And essentially, this is a pre-recorded intro. I've already had the conversation with Ema, but from the conversation we had, my takeaway is that Ema is coming at this uh, challenge uh, with a sense of love, compassion, and in a very constructive way. So I, I hope you enjoy the conversation that we have. Um, she has a lot to share, uh, a lot to offer. Um, so without further ado, here is Ema. Ema. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely to meet you. Lovely to meet you too. You've been so busy. Oh, it's been mental. Where where have you, where have you come from this week? You were at Ryan Turbody? Turbody, yeah. Tuberty. I was yeah, I was on the Ryan Turbody show last week. Um he invited me in to kinda talk a little bit about the graffiti that's been going up all around my hometown in Bray. Um, so that was brilliant to meet with him and share. And gosh, the, the response from that was unbelievable. I'd say I probably received about a thousand messages mm. of support and solidarity and just absolute outrage and disgust, you know. So it was really amazing. Like one of the things I would always say throughout my life is um, when certain it, situations occur, the way that my body and mind can handle it depends on the support systems that are usually around me at that time um and I think honestly due to like the amount of people that reached out to me that incident in my life was easy to move forward from because mm. there was so much more support it just completely outweighed and erased that negative incident you mm. know what I mean yeah um, and so I don't know if people really realize how important and amazing it is when they support somebody just that little message of do you know I think I'll just message her and just say I'm thinking of you and they are not my voice that is not you know who I am I do not support that um and we're here for you just or even just a hi hope you're doing well mm -hmm. it's like people can't comprehend how much that means to somebody who is kind of in distress or feeling you know, it's a hate crime. You know, I had my name plastered all over walls, calling me a slut and <clears throat> telling me that all lives matter. Um, so in order for me to be able to digest and deal with that and not feel like that's everybody, that everybody feels that way about me, it was just so amazing to have 
all that support from people all over Ireland and even, you know, far and wide. Even I got messages from Sydney, from the US, um, all over Europe. Like, really, it was amazing. Because you you started, well, you're you're part of Brave for Love. Um, What's the the hope in that movement? So Brave for Love actually came, that campaign came out of um, a group that I started um, a couple of months ago called Speak. So... It, it basically was a bunch of people that we all had the same kind of concept in mind that, you know, stamp out racism, educate people, help people with unlearning, help people to work towards allyship. Um, and to be honest, you know, I got I had I have some amazing people on that team. You know, I have some counsellors and they're from, you know, different Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael, but there's no political, you know, push or interference at all other than obviously if they have good contacts that's even better you know Mm -hmm. but it's just a group of people that want to make some change here in Ireland Um, and one of the members of the group came up with the idea for Brave for Love um, and that it would be a campaign to promote love in Bray as opposed to hate which is you know there's been a lot of homophobic misogynist um, and racist graffiti that has sprouted since um, the murder of George Floyd and since people in Bray like myself and Erica Doyle a counsellor started speaking out about it um, so she uh, she had an article in the Bray People and after that uh, her name went up on a building up in Little that you know Erica Doyle does not speak for us all lives matter Irish lives matter and then when I put in an article to try and just explain the meaning of all lives matter and what that actually means, <clears throat> the response about four days later was my name on one of the busiest roads in Bray, plastered on a wall. I got a message on Instagram from the owner of the wall saying, your name is all over my wall. What's going on? Um, so I said, where do you live? And I went down and saw Emer O'Neill slut all lives matter uh shut the fuck up um and then you know so many people rallied together my bray for love group you know rallied together and some of the you know bray tidy town they rallied together and a few other councillors um rallied together and painted over some of the other ones that popped up after that um so there was three other areas so there was another pretty much the exact same statement um on another estate and then on the back of uh, the wall in shoreline a gym and then on the tennis club and the one i suppose in shoreline that morning i had actually been at my son's um football training so i was sitting like not even 100 meters away from where that riding was and i didn't even know it was there it was only when i had left training i rang the guards to report the other riding that was down on one of the estates and they said oh have you seen the one up in shoreline I said no I have not um and I'd literally just left that area so I I drove back and sure enough in big massive riding um same the same thing you know um calling me a slut and telling me that all lives matter um so you know the brave for love campaign so what we've done is try and uh kind of go around to shops and businesses and reach out to just the community so we have like badges and stickers and car tags and stuff like that just to show your support um and just the main idea is to to show these bullies or people that are out there 
you know, putting all this negative stuff around that you're you're the minority, actually. Mm-hmm. So we would hope that, you know, the majority of brave people will have this sticker on their car and that businesses will support and have it in the window. It's just their way. It's another way because you can say that you're, you know, not racist. I'm not, I'm not racist. I'm not a, a racist. But are you, like, vocally anti-racist? So with that sticker, you know, without you even having to say anything, you're just, boom, mm-hmm. I am not for you know all of this stuff that's going around in Bray, and I am I am being vocally anti-racist. You said a really important word there, which is b- bullies. I think that, and this is not not news to anyone, mm. um, but this is actually highlighted to me last week when I was watching the Social Dilemma, which is a new Netflix documentary, and it talks about how we've dehumanized people through social media. So we see a figure. And we don't realize the person behind that because we never met them. Yeah. We don't see them as a, a, a very complex individual. And instead, what we do is whether it's on a wall or social media, we decide to publicly shame them mm. and then bully them. Yeah. And firstly, that is not going to solve anything. Mm. All it does is create, uh, you could say, tribalism because they're, what they think, they think they're fighting some sort of war. Yeah. But they're not. What they're not. What they're doing is they're not understanding um where you're coming from mm. and what you're what you're saying what do you what do you think is the way forward as as well as actually before we before we talk about that i want because we before we met today um i seen that you were at a protest uh for cyberbullying and i i've just had a little girl eve right you got a little girl and you know your little girl's only a few months old and I'm already worried about what might happen to her going forward in terms of her life. Like what's going to happen to her when she's 16, 17 and starts going out. And then I read about the Coco's Law. Yes. Um, so to anyone who doesn't know, Coco's Law, I'm not sure if it's been passed yet or not. It has not. Okay, but essentially Coco was a girl who um, was very fun-loving, but essentially she took her own life because she was very, uh, she was bullied. Uh, physically, she was, uh, her friends, or yeah. friends in inverted commas, put cigarettes out on her. Yeah. Um, and it would essentially, um, it would mock her publicly. Yeah. And she took, took her own life, yeah. right? Yeah. And I think to myself, I, I, on social media, I haven't put any pictures of Eve's face. Because I don't want, uh, not just yet, but I don't, I don't want to, and I don't want to be on my phone too much when I'm with her because I feel like that becomes the focus. And then also when she starts going on social media, I was speaking to someone recently saying that young girls are getting cosmetic surgery to look like filters. So that's, they look better for Snapchat or whatever the filters yeah, are. Yeah. Um, so, and then they come online and they open stuff up for criticism and they can't see when you get criticized, like mm. you've been criticized, mm. the hurt that, that caused the person yeah. uh, itself. Um, so I think some of it, social media has to blame a little bit but what what do you think the way forward is as well as the i think the badges is great i seen you had the badge you got yeah, badge. I, have a badge. You go. I brought one for you too Yay. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you um as well as that what do you think the way forward is because you have a voice uh, people listen to you um what else could we be doing to bring people together well do you want me to talk about the the, the bullying the cyber bullying yes, first please, yes, okay yeah. so um yeah so i w- i went out there i the, in the last couple of months i actually made friends with um ashling o'neill and she's the mother of mia o'neill who 
took her life a year ago as well um, at the age of 16. Um, and that was due to online bullying, but also bullying in general in school, anywhere she went, walking home from the shop. Um, and a lot of her bullying was racially driven. Um, so since the age, like speaking to her mom, since the age of probably four years old, she has been ra- racially um you know, abused by people in her local community. Um, And I think just, it just got too much for her. And uh, she was in a lot of different facilities and getting a lot of, you know, help, but some of which was not great. And I think it probably definitely should have been prevented. Um, But I don't think that her or her family were getting the aid really that they needed. Um, I want to mention just two of... Uh, two groups that are important to follow. So mm-hmm. um, March for Justice Ireland is one group that has been hugely behind Coco's Law and driving this forward. Um, also, One Life Ireland um, is also a representative of, you know, driving forward for, you know, pushing this law for um, anti-online um, bullying. So this, Coco's Law has been completed for three years so it's been sitting for three years which is outrageous um and in that time more and more young beautiful irish children have um have killed themselves um so and the repercussions for those bullies online is nada there's nothing because we have no law to say that that is an offense um so in full you know these bullies murdered mia o'neill um they will not suffer any consequences, even though they're, all the messages are there. They have all the you know Snapchats, WhatsApp messages, uh, Instagram thing, anything that has set, was sent to her. They have you know proof of it and who it was sent by, but it's out of the guards' hands because there is no law. They actually haven't committed a crime. So that's why it's so important um, for this law to be passed. And I do believe that before December, we that will um, happen. Um, but... Even still, it's a, I want people to always remember, you know, these girls' names. And for me, obviously, Mia had um, a huge impact on me because speaking to her mum and the way that she felt about herself as a, a person and her body and her looks, um, I could relate to that so well because that was literally me at that same age. Um, and I wish more than anything that I hadn't known them then that I might have even been able to talk to her um, and let her know that she wasn't alone and that things do get better, you know, um, because it is hard for mixed race children because we, we are not represented f- very much um, in this country. Um, you know, even just as far as walking outside your front door, you know, you, you never really see anybody that looks like you. So it's it's hugely impactful when if you can have a close relationship with somebody that can can actually relate to, you know, the trials and tribulations you've been through. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, black people and mixed race people, the racism that they face is quite different. Um, you know, so for a mixed race person, not only are you not accepted by white people because you're not white, you're also sometimes not accepted by black people because you're not black either. So you find yourself in this limbo um, and suffer quite a bit with identity. Um, and that's, you know, a whole a whole nother conversation really. But um, 
as far as that law goes, it is so important. And these mothers are the ones that actually fought for this. It's Coco's mom who mm. who fought for this initially. Um, and they had to, like, because nobody else was doing it. They physically have had to do this as well as dealing with the death of their children. Um, being there outside Leinster House and, and listening to them um, was just absolutely heartbreaking. I, I, w- I will never forget the sound of their cries. I will never forget it it's haunting um as i stood there watching with my daughter sunny ray and just thinking to myself um how how i don't know if you if i could live if anything like that happened to her you know so um it's it's so so important um that this law is passed and that people are aware of you know that that other side of things, that online um, bullying. Luckily, our generation, we didn't have that kind of stuff. You know, you'd have an argument at school and then you'd go away and then you'd come back the next day and it might have been forgotten or not, but it was never plastered all over social media, you know. And I do feel for, you know, the Generation Z and so on that their whole lives are documented, you know, whether Mm. they like it or not. Um, I wonder, though, what, because there's the... I wonder what I could do as a parent. Like I look at Eve and I was looking at her this morning and I'm so attached to her so quickly. I didn't think I would be. Mm. Other lads told me that when you're a man, you have a baby and you're kind of on the on the outskirts and you're just like the assistant, whatever. I don't feel that way. No. I feel like, because I put her in a sling. Yeah. From day one, I had in a sling. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I feel like, I'm not, I've not the same thing, but I'm like, the, like a kangaroo or something carrying yeah, the yeah. baby and that close contact has made me feel really close to her yeah. but I, I had a flash forward and I thought like when she is that age mm-hmm. what am I going to say to her to make her realise that uh, sh- what is some a small percentage of people are saying isn't a reflection on her character mm-hmm. um, because I think I think social media is fantastic in loads of different ways yeah. but the biggest problem I think is that we're substituting it for real face-to-face meeting yeah. this is the reason one of the reasons why I started a podcast because we rely now on little snippets of people and we take out things out of context mm. and then we build something a persona about them that may be completely inaccurate yeah and we're still humans that for thousands hundreds of thousands of evolution that you really get to know someone when you, when you actually meet them face to face. So just on Coco's Law, though, um, and I don't want to delve too much into this because uh, I'm not a psychologist and I don't maybe know how to address this, but I think it is great having a law. I think that's so important because it shows, I think they're suggesting like six to seven years imprisonment. Yeah, correct. If, right, right. Because then that's one, it's a big talking point. You're like, shit, this is really serious. Yeah. yeah. But that is that how much of a deterrent is that going to be this is what i'm wondering yeah. it's a bit like countries that have the death penalty mm. the murder rates don't necessarily always go down um or um you know other other crimes what i what i'm wondering is like how do you equip a child <laughs> yeah. to deal to deal with that and um uh, not like I'm looking for asking you for direct yeah. parenting advice. <laughs> <laughs> well, but can you tell me um, what like ha- have yeah. you thought about? Well, that? you know, so and especially in your experience growing up, you said that what you faced. Yeah. And like, so for me, I have all of your concerns, but then I also have the concerns of the fact that my son is black. So that's a- another load to carry as well. So the way I kind of look at it and have talked with friends at length is it's like this triad so you have school this is these are the things that are that impact kids and 
influence them and develop them to be the people that they become. So you have school, which is hugely influential. They actually spend more time at school than they do at home with you. Um, you've got media and then you've got family, home life. So th- these three things, in my kind of experience, are what generally will shape a person to be who they are. And it depends on the... Um, learning that that takes place between these three things as to whether or not a child kind of develops those capabilities to be able to be strong enough to handle you know certain situations Mm. um depending on the support at home and how they've been brought up and what um you know characteristics and ethics so in the home but then if they're not getting that at home are they getting it at school and if they're not getting at school then they're looking to social media, movies, TVs, influencers to teach them how to be a human. Mm. Um, So as a parent, I think it's very important that we're looking at those three aspects. So how is their school life? Um, Are they being nurtured? Are they in a good environment? Are they happy in school? Are they learning? Um, When they're on social media, are they looking at positive, you know, influences? the content that they're open to. And then obviously that you're doing your job at home, that you're, you know, encouraging your child to be confident, to love themselves for who they are, not because of what they look like or their necessarily their abilities. Mm. Um, and I mean, it's so much easier said than done, obviously, but at the end of the day, as parents, that's all we can do because ultimately our kids are going to develop themselves the way they want to and become the humans that they are um but if we can kind of manage these three aspects of their life you know and then obviously friends are you know in there but that kind of goes with the school kind of um but you know a lot of these girls let's say that um committed suicide uh had really nice friend circles and they were very bubbly girls and very happy um but it just sometimes doesn't take much you know um for them it was i can't say doesn't take much they went through years of abuse Mm. you know um and it finally just took their its toll on them you know i mean we at the end of the day we can only do as much as we can as parents to let them know that they're loved and that whatever issues they're facing that they will eventually pass um, but, you know, when you have mental health issues in the mix as well, you know, and I'm, I am sure that those three girls regretted possibly instantly that they had done that. But at that moment in time in their life, they were in so much pain mm-hmm. that they just wanted it to stop, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but it gives you the realisation of the humans that are out there, the vile humans that are out there. Um, and I think once you let your mind realise that there are so many evil people out there, that it shouldn't shock you when certain bad things happen to you. And this is something that I think I've kind of learned over the years. Yeah. I don't let things shock me. I don't let them permeate my soul anymore. Um, in a way, um, you know, people that were racist to me or bullied me um, have prepared me my entire life for this moment in time because, you know, a lot of people are like, you must be absolutely devastated and heartbroken seeing your name like that just around the corner from your house and I said I mean I am but 
all I can feel is sorrow for those people that did that because I would love to meet with them and I'd love them to talk to me and get to know me and try and have a chat. I don't feel like I will change their point of view. I, I, I probably won't, but I would like them to see the human behind the writing um, and chat with them and, and remind them that I actually grew up in this town the same as they did. Um, I went to the same schools. I ate the same type of food. I've lived pretty much the same life as them except that I'm a person of colour you know um and I think just even having those conversations can can help but it's it's a it's a it's a tough one you know um it's all about really resilience and building that over the years you know luckily I had sports and I think without sports I wouldn't be the person I am you know in first year um there was drugs around me. There was a lot of drinking. You know, I could have easily gone one way or another. Um, but because I had sport and I was so passionate about it and it gave back to me, it gave love back to me. It made me feel good about myself. Mm. Um, that that prevented me from kind of going that road at all. Um, and that's why I would also urge, you know, for parents with kids to, to really try and cultivate some love for something, whether it's art, music, sport, you know, that they have something that's theirs. So in times of pain, their outlets, they have a positive outlet, yeah. you know, because I do as a teacher, you know, I come across a lot of kids and they self-harm. Um, and that and that's been a huge thing for um, kids as they're the newfound kind of outlet for pain. Um, but funnily enough, if let's say you like to draw, drawing and taking that time can actually regulate your body again to a point where you no longer feel like you want to hurt yourself. But it's about that mind frame and realizing that you're in that, that mindset that you need to rein yourself in and, tr and try and do something positive, you know, instead of negative. Because in, in general, when we're feeling bad, we tend to do negative things on top of the negative feelings we already have yeah you know so like i'm feeling terrible i'm gonna go and get a bottle of wine now and i'm gonna drink myself silly and then i'm gonna wake up tomorrow and not only will the problem still be there but now i've banging headache <laughs> <laughs> you know uh, it's human nature but i think yeah those tools of of learning how to cope are, are so huge you know and we learn so much in school about what has happened in the past what we expect from the future what's happening in the present and um, but Tools like, you know, being able to, you know, handle um, pain, suffering, you know, you know, traumatic issues. I think they're the life skills really that are the, the most important for kids to learn at, at an early age. Yeah, you said uh, really good points that I want to pick up on. The first one is there is a severe lack of uh, compassion it, um, and generally speaking uh, and I, I don't mean to be shitting on social media time but <laughs> in social media but and what you said there was almost like um i don't know if you're religious but it was like almost like a, what jesus would say <laughs> a, very, a very christian of you to say that um like love your neighbor love your enemy sorry ha or have compassion for your enemy or at least if you can't love them and then uh, try to understand because um you know an eye for an eye leaves everyone blind and if you if you were to go, it's weird. I've got I've got like quite religious since I knew I was going to become a dad. I think because I'm like you know Jesus is like as Ricky Gervais says Jesus is like the kind of invisible babysitter. Like, right. No, God is watching. So you think I'm going to go out, but God is watching you. God, it's all you now. Okay, <laughs> go for a nap. Exactly. <laughs> um, but 
with that, with that, it, it it's, can be so tempting when someone um, does you wrong to want to retali- retaliate. Yeah. And it takes more guts, more character to try to understand where they're coming from and what you'll find. And I've, I've looked at, I looked at this guy online. He's a, uh, uh, he was on the Joe Rogan experience. I wish I remember his name. Mm-hmm. Big fella, mm-hmm. uh, black guy, long hair. Looks like kind of like has that kind of like Reverend Al Sharpton kind of hair. Yeah. Um, and uh, but he now meets members of the KKK. That's his thing. Yeah. He and he like collects their robes and studies them essentially. And now he's had. Have you, you I, I have seen. Yeah, I've yeah, seen, seen clips of that. Oh, yeah, he, he's brilliant. Yeah, but he and now this is an extreme, but it yeah. just shows you what's possible. Yeah, and he has had like. I think they call themselves wizards or some bizarre name that kind of that guy high up in the KK. Mm. They've actually like come out of that because of him, because he showed so much compassion. Mm. Now that takes unbelievable character to do that because um, we want to always feel like, um, I think there's an instinct for tribalism, but tribalism is not good. It kills everyone. You know, someone's going to die. So there's that. The first thing is let's try and be more compassionate. I know it sounds like an obvious thing to say. But but it's not. Sometimes you need to really stop yourself and and focus on it, Mm -hmm. you know, to feel empathy, you know, towards others and just put yourself in those shoes. Like for me, I I don't know what walk of life these people have have had to have that hate in their heart. Um, But like, like I said, when I say I feel sorry for them, it's not in a condescending way. I really legitimately do because there's a lot of hate in their heart and to carry that around with you, to to hate somebody so much that you don't even know to want to write their name and make them feel bad, like you must have a lot of kind of pain inside you. Yeah, you I mean, know? what kind of person, like, could they go home to their son, daughter or their mum and say, this is what I did today? Yeah. I mean, like, that is so uh, it was deplorable, but... The other thing is what, you, you, what is really important to um, highlight is that about kind of taking, not being a victim. So you've had this shit happen to you, mm-hmm. but you're not taking, uh, this is my assumption, yeah. uh, but you, you're not taking a kind of victim status. And I think yeah. maybe that comes from growing up as, and, and playing basketball at such a high level mm-hmm. that you are kind of, you can take accountability mm-hmm. and to say like, I'm not gonna let the situation own me. Yeah. I'm gonna use this, to highlight something that's really important. Definitely. So that is the importance. I, that, so I'm co- so conscious that when people see Eve, they're like, oh, she's so beautiful, whatever. She looks like a dad. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> no, but she's so beautiful and stuff. Um, and I and I get, find that I've only, she's only been alive four days, but I find I'm like, God, you're so gorgeous. I love you, sweetie, all this stuff. But I know that as she gets older, I'm gonna say, right, Eve, let's get into sports. Yeah. Let's, let's test ourselves. Exactly. And when you go out there, if someone shouts at you, I've kind of prepared all this stuff yeah. in my head. Yeah, good. Because <laughs> I was rubbish at sports. Everyone was shouting at me. But like, I, <laughs> I'd be like, Eve, when someone shouts at you, understand that maybe they're, they're hurting. Yeah. They're angry at themselves. Yeah. If someone tries to bully you, saying about them, what's their home life like? Exactly. So if someone like exactly. pulls your hair or calls your word, they may go home to a mother or father Who's that bullies them. them. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's uh, like, I'm not, my mom and dad were fantastic right, when I was growing up. But my dad would be like, what do you try to do? I try to hit me dad or hit him back. back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I tried that and I got beaten up a lot. A lot. <laughs> so It's not working, dad. <laughs> it's not working. But, but sports it is, is so, um, so important. And, uh, I, I, because it, maybe it builds, it builds character. 100%. Um, um, I think it's sorry, very, it's very easy to, um, become the victim. Um, and I think if I had allowed that years ago, I I probably wouldn't still be alive and that's being honest. Um 
I met a, a woman when I was in the States and we got talking about kind of her background. So she was she was in currently doing her PhD and it was something that I wanted to amount to. So I was really intrigued and she was a black woman as well. And um, I just, I, I asked her like, how did she come about that? And how did she get to this point in her life? And she said, well, I grew up in a really low socioeconomic area. We, a lot of the time, didn't have food. Um, and when I'd come home, let's say to try and do homework, you know, the electricity bill might not have been paid, so we wouldn't even have lights. Um, you know, so I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, wow. And then what, you know? And she said, well, I mean, I had, as I got older, this was the one thing that I was able to be in control of. Like I couldn't be in control of what my parents were doing. They were, you know, alcoholics and drug addicts. Um, but I could, I was in control of Sorry, what she I, said this or you, she said this okay, to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I am in control every day when I'm at school as to whether or not I want to learn or not. Um, and I could use my home life as an excuse not to learn. But she said her mind told her that, you know, she can amount to something great if, she does what she's supposed to do let's say academically and she can choose to be burdened and let her home life pull her down or she can build a bridge and get over it now I was like oh that sounds really easy but realistically you know um and she said okay I I understand that that sounds you know ridiculous build a bridge and get over it um but this is coming from a woman now who you know there was a lot of pain there there was a lot of things that happened to her as a child that should not have happened to her as a child um but this is what she's saying to me basically she said if I was to let all of that my past take over my body and my soul and my heart and my mind I would not have been able to be the person I am now so what I decided to do was make it really simple I'm going to make this simple. What has happened to me is in my past and now I'm going to build a bridge with my own two hands and I'm going to go right over that bridge. And it really resonated with me so much like I've never forgotten. I've never forgotten that conversation because when people say, yeah, well, that sounds so simple, but what if you've been through this trauma, that trauma? No, but it's up to you in your own mind to make it that simple if that's what you want and I suppose for me it was like a life lesson that day that I can dwell on my past I can dwell on the fact that I was raised in a single parent family you know that we did struggle that I you know went through a lot of racial abuse my whole life um that I've had multiple injuries I had career ending injuries that you know to name just a few things let's say that have happened I can just dwell on those things or I can just build a bridge and get over it and try and do the best that I can do for myself and my future and now my family mm-hmm. um, and I don't want to have hate in my heart because I think life is super hard anyway the last thing I need is for that to be sucking my energy I, I might for a split second feel anger and feel hate um, but ultimately I let go of that because it's going to do me more harm than it, it is good mm-hmm. and in fact I'm allowing those bullies um, and that to control my life, my mind and my future. 
mm-hmm. and I'm giving them exactly what it is that they want. Yeah. So, like I said, my my life growing up to this point has prepared me to be able to handle, you know, the the abuse that I've gotten. Let's say in social media, I've gotten, you know, some really nasty messages, um, and even in response to the Ryan Tuberty um, show, uh, the Independent, I think, put an article the next day, and um, it was on Facebook, and underneath, like some of the comments, like it would blow your mind. Um, things like, well, the N word. Well, that's because you're you, you're listening to too much rap music. Um, why do black people use the N word, but white people can't? The fact that your son wants to be white—that's racist. Um, my daughter has red hair, and she's constantly, you know, called a ginger. So she goes through it, and she just gets over it. Not the same thing. <laughs> Not the same thing. <laughs> So reading those... That's not empathy, by the way, people, if you're thinking that. That's not compassion. (laughs) Like, reading some of those comments, like, it really hurt. Oh, the other one was, like, she just just wants to get famous. She's using this, you know, to further her life or her career. I'm a teacher, by the way, guys. Yes, so this isn't going to further my (laughs) teaching career. Thanks very much. Um, And also that I'm bringing it on myself. Mm. If you don't want to have to deal with this abuse, then shut up, stay quiet and go back into your house. But that's like, that's the whole point. Yeah, no. See, unfortunately, like I won't be silenced like that. I've been quiet way too long. I've always been afraid to speak out about racism and the things that I've been through because I knew people didn't really want to listen and they didn't really care. And that's the God honest truth. And I felt like the responses, let's say, to that independent article were going to be just very similar, you know. And then I would just end up feeling even worse about myself because I've put myself out there being vulnerable. So it was a huge chance I took initially to even do my first video. Um, And I slept on it for a while because I just wasn't sure. I had just had a baby. I think she was like two weeks old. And, you know, my husband said, "Are are you sure you're ready to take on what could happen when you post this? And I said, no, I'm not actually sure. <laughs> so I didn't post it for quite a few days. And then I decided, you know what, if not now, then when? Mm-hmm. And I have to do this for me and I'm ready to take whatever comes along with it. Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad that I did. And I never thought for one minute that it would you know, snowball into what it has and that I would touch so many people um, and influence you know, the way that they initially may have thought that there is no racism in Ireland and now are like wow how have I been so blind to it but once you see it you can't unsee it Mm. this is the thing once you see the subtle racism that goes around in your family circle your friends your community once you see it you can't unsee it Mm. it's as simple as you're shopping in Tesco and you go over where all the magazines are and you just take just a look is there even one single person of colour on the front of any of these magazines? There's about 50 magazines there. Not one. Or if there is one, why is there one to 49 other white faces that you see? Mm-hmm. That's not a quality. But that is, that's just something really minor. But, y- you know, a, a person who is white might think that that's just, like, get over it. Like, what's the big deal? So you, you don't see yourself on a magazine cover. But the thing is, you do. You don't think it's a problem because you do. You've grown up with it. You always do. And you always will see yourself reflected. So, of course, it's not a problem to you. Mm. And that is white privilege, that if something is not affecting me personally, then it's not an issue. Mm. 
But it's when you step outside of that bubble and realize and start to begin to have empathy. Um, I think when I spoke about my son, you know, telling me that he wanted to be white and he wanted to be like his dad, the color, same color as his dad, and even my own story of as a child trying to scrub the brown off my skin, I think that's when people's eyes open and think, well, I have a child. Imagine my child came home to me and said that, you know, where you can step outside of your own bubble and realize like as a human that is not right as a human to think of a child the most innocent creatures on this planet that they feel like they don't want to be in the skin that they're in based on social media their peers and what they see every day in their world and in their life that that's how because that didn't just come from nowhere Mm -hmm. you know when you have a five-year-old say to you that i want to be white why is that happening Mm. You know, I grew up in a house with my mom and my mom was white. So I didn't even have anybody that looked like me. At least he has me. But he will still say to me, yeah, but you're white, mom. You're not like me. Like, I'm really black. And it's just even those the, the words. Mm-hmm. And it's like to say that it, the word black is even like a negative word. And I think as a, as a society, we need to start getting really comfortable with the word black because it's not a bad word. Mm-hmm. Black is beautiful and black is just another one of us humans you know um yeah representation is really important mm. i went to i mean two weeks ago i was in the cinema watching tenet the the new christopher nolan movie mm. and the lead guy is black he's um um and i whilst i was watching it the week before that we watched superman and superman white skin blue eyes black hair when I, christopher reeve the 1978 one and i i remember as a kid watching superman and I was like, he's kind of like me, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, and I was looking at his like body and, you know, his, the way he's behaving. I'm thinking mm-hmm. mm, that's the way to be a man. Yeah. You know, you've got to yeah. be the hero and yeah. swoop in and, and I say the right thing, always tell the truth and yes. all that stuff. Yes. Um, and you, it's subliminal maybe or subconscious, I say, but you see these images and it sticks in your head mm. and you think like, I can, I can match that. Yeah. We, we all need role models yeah. essentially. Yeah. Um, so what's next for you then? <laughs> um, so I don't I s- mean today. I mean, <laughs> uh, us, yeah. <laughs> I'll I'll just go through a few things that we that have happened kind of since this all started. So I've done a bunch of um, kind of Instagram takeovers. So the idea for me for that was to get onto other people's pages that may not have like you know black friends or mixed race friends or may have nobody of color on their timeline. And so, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement was a huge thing for a couple of weeks. And then once it's gone, then they're not seeing anything else. So by me coming onto a page that has other followers that wouldn't follow me and may have now completely switched off to the Black Lives Matter movement, it's like, boom, we're back again. And here's Emer, and it's still going on. It hasn't gone. <laughs> um, and then just like I've had some major platforms with like, you know, where people have like 48,000 followers and it's like just to try and reach, you know, even out of that, if you can reach even one person and change their point of view on things or help them to, if they're on the fence as to whether or not they want to be a racist or not, or if they feel like they aren't a racist, but when I speak and I tell my stories, they realize I've done a lot of that stuff. Oh my gosh, I didn't even realize it was an issue with it. Things like, you know, like touching my hair. So touching a black person's hair, you know, and people will think, well, what's wrong with that? You know, but you don't think there's anything wrong with it because nobody does it to you. But just imagine if you had strangers literally just coming up and touching your hair when you're out and you, I mean, 
you're in my space. Like, that's, I mean, it's not okay. Like, if I meet you and I just start touching your hair, you're weirded out, right? You're mm. like, why? I don't even know you. But for some reason, I should be okay with that mm. because people are interested. That's not fair, you know? Or even just the general kind of sayings that are out there, like um, somebody working really hard, working like the blacks. You know, there's a lot of these kind of sayings and they're old sayings that are still being said, um, but people don't realize that they are racist. And like, when you say somebody is working like the blacks, that's referring to slavery when black people were worked to death, you know. Um, I, I, my main goal really, I suppose, is to try and get people really thinking about their words and their thoughts and being honest with themselves. If they've walked along a road and walked past a black person and thought to themselves, I wonder if they're on social welfare, fucking bleeding our country dry. I don't know, have you? Um, you know, I, I told a story one time, I had actually represented Ireland down in the country. We had training, we played a few matches and I had come back and I was in Houston Station sitting with one of my teammates waiting for my mum to pick me up. And this very well-spoken woman walked by me and said, oh, go back to your own country and walk past me. And I'm sitting there in an in Irish kit, like obviously she probably didn't notice, but the irony of it, I thought, um, you know, but... It's just so important that as a society we start calling people out, you know, it's too many times that you're in company with somebody and somebody says something that you know is racist, but you're like, ah, they didn't mean it, let it go. It's like that time now, though, that you say, sorry, Josephine, you can't actually say stuff like that. You do realize that that's a racial slur so that Josephine will be like, really? I've been saying it for years. Well, you can't anymore. Okay. And it's as simple as that. And I mean, I know there's people that are going to lose friends. You might fall out with family members. But I mean, if you do care that enough and that um, that much and you are saying that you are not a racist, mm. then it shouldn't be an issue for you. Yeah. You know, you should you should be able to be confident to stand up and express that that's wrong. And how you said it there, how you role played that you did that you're doing it in a way that shows um i know uh, compassion again because it there's a difference between saying like do not say this just don't ever say that word yeah. as opposed to if you say that word this is how it can make someone feel yeah what words have upset you well if someone called, like for example yeah. i have someone who's very close to me who works with uh, members of the traveling community mm. and they um they are get discriminated against quite a lot and there's some words that people would just use to yeah. describe them which i've used in the past yeah. not think like mm -hmm. well after i watched uh, the movie snatch and stuff i would just say certain words yeah. not thinking yeah. and it but it takes someone to say to you yeah. I, I think now i could be wrong here and i've been wrong before but say like and this person who works with these pe people this community of people will say to me you know what kev this is kind of uh, what their life is like and yeah. um, this is uh, the, what they face and uh, you should actually uh, prefer to in this way. And I was yeah. like, I never even thought about that. Mm -hmm. I never yeah. even thought about it. Yeah. But um, it, it, but then, because then you start to tie in, look, they were a baby once, I was a baby once. Yeah. We both grew up mm -hmm. and we had different influences. Um, they were loved, I was loved, uh, and but yet they experienced this and I wouldn't know what that's like. Exactly. And. But it's it's and that's why I think what you're doing is so important because mm -hmm. the way you're delivering it is is a lot of compassion but also a lot of force. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And uh, so, 
fair play. <laughs> in a very Irish way, Thank fair you. play. Um, so th- then just some other stuff. So uh, I was a part of um, a hair focus group. So a company um, in Dublin, they are thinking of opening some black hair uh, salons in Ireland because this is another aspect of life that like is quite hard like I can't just go into a hairdresser's and get my hair done because people don't know how to do my hair um, and usually it's a really big ordeal and it's quite embarrassing and I've been turned away plenty of times or I've had like four people come over touching my hair and being like no 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 or I've been told like this is the price for short hair but because your hair is like so thick we're going to have to charge you for long hair so it's like double price you know it so much so that I would not go to a hairdresser's in Ireland anymore like it's just been awful and even when I brought my son for his first haircut um I just thinking it's a boy like that everybody's like you know a barber is a barber no well silly me because the, the shears actually the blade got stuck in his hair and she took about 15 minutes having to try and cut it out and all this was a horrific experience and this is you know for any parents out there you you remember your child's first haircut it's a big deal and um they're usually very nervous and they don't necessarily want to be there so just put on top of the fact that he had like the worst experience ever like it took me months before I could get him to go and get a haircut again because he was afraid it hurt him it was painful and the person who was doing it had no idea and it didn't need to be like that and so this focus group basically um has taken it took like I think over 100 people of color um mixed race and black people and got feedback from us about what we want and what we don't have here and you know for the future what we'd like like I'd love to be able to go on a mommy daughter hairdressing date with my my daughter Sonny Ray but she has straight hair and I don't so at the moment we won't ever be able to do that you know um so one of the things too then I um the she's the vice president of the Irish Hairdressing Federation Lisa Zink I did a live with her and um so she would have loads of contacts and loads of hairdressers that were on there and we talked about like upskilling so if you're a hairdresser at the moment and you're not comfortable doing afro hair would you think about upskilling and you know being comfortable to do that so mm. we're, we're talking about doing some workshops and possibly bringing some hairdressers over from london to try and teach um irish hairdressers how to manage afro hair um, because ireland is ever-changing and i feel you know like it's not something that can be ignored like you, you know you're going to have a person of color come into your shop and ask you to do their hair and do you want to be the person that says i can't do it or do you want to be the person that says Yes, I upskilled to ensure that you were going to have a great experience today. Let's go. You know, um, then I had a really an amazing opportunity to speak to um, the Institute of Advertising um, Federation Ireland. So the CEO, uh, Charlie Stoney, it was her idea um, because she can clearly see the lack of diversity and representation in social media and, or sorry, just in general media in Ireland. Uh, so uh, three of us were picked, selected to be able to speak to, there was about 65 different businesses, like Google was there, and like advertising companies to express to them what it was like to grow up in a country where I never saw myself, let's say, represented. And what it's like also as a model to never get jobs because you're just not what we're looking for. Um, and still continues today, like, you know, um, and the influences that that has, like this European standard of beauty that I'm being held to, but I can never amount to because I'm not white. I don't have a thin, straight nose. I don't have thin, small lips. I don't have blue eyes. I don't have straight hair. I can't measure up to all these things that are being bombarded at me on a daily basis. And that hurts. That's hard. I've wanted my whole life to be white and to have straight hair. It's only in latter years that I really just fell in love with myself and my natural hair and wanted to make sure that 
I could help other people to try and feel that way about themselves too. Um, as far as like, you know, the results from that, there's nothing yet, but that was only recent. So what I'm hoping is that it has sparked something in them to start now. Because like I said, once you see it, you can't unsee it. So probably when they're listening, they're thinking, what are you even talking about? But now in their day-to-day business, they're looking maybe around their office and they're like, wow, everybody in here is white. Why did I throw that CV out from Mohammed Ogobi? Did I look at that name and say, nah, next, even though he was really qualified, but mm. just to let plant that little seed in people's minds that because subconsciously, like we've been we've been brainwashed to believe that being white and having those white features is beautiful. And that's the way everyone should be, you know, and it's about unlearning that systematic racism that we've grown up with and trying to have your own mind and realization of like, okay, wow, the world is not equal at all, even just with something as simple as somebody's color. You know, even people in um, that ha- are um, uh, black in the media are told to straighten their hair and maybe possibly bleach their skin and try and tone down the Africanness, you know? Um, so uh, I'm continuing, you know, doing lives. I'm going to actually go live um, on Monday mm-hmm. with Ashling O'Neill, who's Mia's mom that we were speaking about earlier, so that she can get her story out there. And when I say it's a heartbreaking story, good Lord. Um, but if people need to hear it and people need to know, you know, what her daughter went through for her to come to that final point in her life. Um, and I'm in the process of trying to put together um, a talk basically. So I'm going to start in Bray and I'm going to do all the schools in Bray first. Just a little hour chat, nothing major. I'm not going to call it a workshop because it's not a workshop. I just want to go in and I want to talk to the kids and talk to them about some of my experiences, hear from some of them if they're willing to share, um, help them understand what racism is Mm -hmm. and where to spot it. Um, and how what to do about it not to be a bystander because in school they're taught all the time about not being a bystander when it comes to bullying because you're just as bad as the bully this is this goes the same thing for racism so if you're a bystander to racism you're just as bad as the racist um, and trying to get that kind of through um and where to go to report it like so there's a new system report.ie specifically for hate crimes that you can it's an app and you can also um go online because we've never had that before so i've already reported five incidents within the last two months um one of which was my house getting egged um and obviously all of the graffiti um but these are just the kind of the little steps forward and um, within my group we've designed a school policy against anti-racism because m- most schools are they must have an anti-bullying um policy but there is no law there to say that they must have an anti-racism policy which is not the same thing sometimes people like to put bullying and racism together they're two completely separate entities and two completely separate things completely completely and so what i would hope is that every school in ireland will have an anti Uh, racism policy so we have done basically an outline and what I'm hoping to do is to send that to every school in the country and then they can you know put their own letterhead on the top and devise it in a way that suits their school Mm -hmm. but every club should have that every organization even 
like we're not just talking about kids like I'm talking about in the workplace there should be anti-racist policy in place as well it's just it's one of those things that you think goes without saying but there there is none there I'd be very um shocked at any place is really having a policy like that already in place unless something had happened in the past in order for them to have to feel like they needed one but everywhere does need one yeah. and it just brings more awareness to the issues mm-hmm. um so i'm really excited about that i think it's with the kids is where this change will start i i know and i have met people and I will never be able to change their minds on this. As far as they're concerned, black people are ignorant. They're leeches to the system of this country. Um, and they aren't as intelligent as white people. Um, and they just don't like them. I can't change that. They're too far down the rabbit hole. But when it comes to kids, they're so open um, and so loving and so ready to learn. Uh, and they have the capacity to feel empathy, you know, because they haven't been harmed much yet in their mm. life to turn kind of bitter um, in most circumstances. Um, but yeah, so I'm really excited about that um, and chatting with them. So I'm hoping hoping to kind of roll that out within the next couple of weeks. Mm. Um, but there's, there's loads of stuff kind of in the pipeline for um, us as a group, as Speak, and for our Bray campaign, you know. And it's like we were talking about five-year and 10-year plans. Like this isn't like a today or tomorrow thing. You know, this is... This is, we're looking towards the, the future. This is going to be a long, a long road, yeah. you know. But my ultimate goal is that my grandkids will say to me, Emer, or Granny, uh, <laughs> what was it like to face racism? Like, what did it feel like? And what kind of things did people do? Like, can you imagine that? Mm. If my grandkids had to ask me because they don't face it anymore? Mm-hmm. That's what I want. That's brilliant. Yeah. Oh my God, you were, that was so good. I know you're a busy lady. T- quick time check. It's It's gone 12. You've got to get out of here, unfortunately. Uh, Ema, thanks so much. If people want to find you, where do they go? So I'm on Facebook, Ema O'Neill. And then Instagram, I'm Ema O'Neill14. Um, and I really take pride in responding to people. It's important to me if you take the time to reach out to me that I reach back. And I just want everybody to know that the support that I've gotten and I'm getting is just so hugely appreciated to me and my family. So thanks. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. If you did, feel free to share it with a friend or maybe leave a review on iTunes. That really helps. Or if you're watching on YouTube, you can like, subscribe and maybe leave a comment. Uh, If you would like to support yourself and myself and my little family, you can sign up for my platform, Movement and Meditation with Kevin online. Go to kevinboyoga.ie forward slash membership And every week I add new content. There's no commitment at all. Do a three weeks trial, then 19 euro a month after that and see how you get on. You can always reach out to me if you've got any questions or comments about the platform and the service. As always, thank you so much for listening, maybe watching. Uh, I hope you, um, you enjoyed it and I hope to catch up with you again next week.